Akira Kurosawa is universally recognized as one of the best film directors ever to exist. After working as a painter, a fact that would play heavily into his sense of mise-en-scene once he started working in color, he entered the Japanese film industry in 1936. He spent the wartime period mostly doing screenwriting and acting as an assistant director. But in 1943, with World War II underway, Kurosawa made his debut with the action film Shinshiro Sugata. He was hailed as a director that had an immediate grasp on the filmmaking process. This film debut, as it was wartime Japanese cinema, did not get released in the United States until 1974. In 1948, Kurosawa made Drunken Angel, starring a little-known Japanese actor named Toshiro Mifune. <laughs> Toshiro Mufune and Kurosawa would go on to have an incredibly successful run of 16 films. Kurosawa and Mufune are best known for their sweeping samurai epics, which became popular in both the U.S. and Japan, and had a massive amount of reciprocated influence on the American Western genre. In 1950, Kurosawa made Rashomon, a psychological thriller where multiple characters describe a samurai getting murdered in the forest. This film was the inspiration for the Rashomon effect, a cinematic plot device where multiple characters give contradictory interpretations of the same incident. In the 1950s and 1960s, Kurosawa made one film a year, an extraordinary pace for a director of that caliber. Tonight we are talking about Kurosawa's most famous and acclaimed film ever made, 1954's Seven Samurai. At this point, even if you haven't seen Seven Samurai, you are definitely familiar with the plot. It has been one of the most influential and often copied and remade films ever produced. Although none of the films it influenced, especially the American Westerns, have been as impressive or long-lasting as Seven Samurai. This might not be true for other Kurosawa films, 
as Sergio Leone's A Fistful of Dollars was a remake of Kurosawa's Yojimbo, and that's the film that gave us Clint Eastwood. The story revolves around a mountainous village in western Japan in the 16th century. The village consists of farmers who are completely impoverished and at the mercy of roving bandits who come around in packs to rape, pillage, and steal. After being threatened by a particularly large gang of 40 bandits, highly unusual numbers, several villagers resolve to find a ronin, masterless samurai, to help defend them. <laughs> They can pay in rice, but have no money to pay these wandering mercenaries. However, they're lucky because these are times of honor and adventure, and an aging ronin named Kambe Shimada takes pity on their suffering. He assembles a team of seven ronin warriors, each with a particular set of skills, to defend the village from the bandits. And we've seen this format. Sometimes the seven is supplanted with six or eight, copied in American Westerns repeatedly. Now why'd you have to go and touch your gun for? We were in the middle of a gentleman's negotiation. However, Kurosawa is a master filmmaker and he uses the sweeping epic to explore not just the usual themes of bravery, love, chivalry, and conflict, but class relations, the nature of war, one of his favorite subjects, and Japanese identity itself. Kurosawa casts his old friend and collaborator, Shira Mafuni, as Kikochio, an orphaned farmer who lies about being a samurai warrior, but ends up being one of the bravest of the seven. One of the most interesting parts of Seven Samurai is the class analysis that Kurosawa sprinkles throughout the story. We realize throughout the plot that the farmers are not just helpless victims. They are cunning and dangerous and have a dark secret. They have cut down and robbed fleeing samurai warriors who got defeated by bandits in the past. However, Kikuchio, who acts as a go-between between farmers and the Ronin warriors, angrily reminds the samurai that samurai have been equally brutal, raped, pillaged, and plundered from farmers. <laughs> In fact, there is no real line between the samurai who wander medieval Japan and the bandits who terrorize the villagers. Seven Samurai is a three-hour and 20-minute epic. A funny fact is that Kurosawa assumed that American audiences wouldn't be able to sit through it and lobbed 15 minutes off that before releasing it in the United States. It was filmed with telescopic lenses and multiple cameras, ending up as the second most expensive Japanese film ever made in 1954, which today is a laughably small number, half a million dollars, or 210 million yen. The movie ends on one of the most Kurosawa moments of the film. 
surveying the damage after five of the seven samurai die in battle, Kanbe says, the victory belongs to the peasants, not to us. This concept of war as a Pyrrhic victory is a central theme Kurosawa will return to repeatedly. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Joe Payne, host of Political Pain, and the other half of Bad Takes. I, of course, am your host, Forrest Miller wandering ronin of the podcast panel, and samurai of the clip-cutting school. Without further ado, let's get started. Yes, internet samurai indeed. Hey, hey everybody. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I take the keyboard and I go, ah! and go. <laughs> exactly. Just well, chopping those clips just like he chops that wood, man. My, yeah. my favorite line of this whole movie is when the, uh, the one guy introduces himself and goes, I am a samurai of the woodcutting school. And it's like... Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Ironic. I, I, they had irony even then. It'd be interesting to... Uh, yeah, well, well uh, first of all, welcome, Joe. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Carmen. Uh, it'd be interesting because, as you mentioned in the intro, like the archetypes that, that are in here have been often copied and almost kind of uses almost a writing template for any time it's like... You know, any, anything from like crime movies to like the Avengers, uh, yeah. to a certain degree. Anytime the, you gotta get the whole, anytime you gotta get the boys together to uh, right for one last job. Yeah. I've been going yeah. over in my head as many references uh, to Seven Samurai as I could think of. Um, There's so many. It's been really great. I mean, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so it's obvious, you yeah. know, um, that I mean, it does it better. Honestly, it assembles the team better than Lord of the Rings does. Well, and and Seven Samurai gets the uh, the idea for this from an, like an ancient Japanese uh, play and myth called the Forty Six Ronin. But there's yep. forty six of them, and each one has a particular. Uh... Hey, we mentioned <laughs> the a lot budget. more time. We mentioned time the budget that there wasn't. There wasn't enough money to hire that many samurai, just like the village. They didn't, they like, 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 he's like, he's like, what we need. I thought it was going to be at least 10. It was like, no, they can't barely afford the seven. It's just that half of them are doing it because they are looking for the adventure, the challenge, or, you know, in one case, because like the guy is like the bet, the best at what he does and it just wants the challenge to like be like the perfect, perfect honing of his own skills, which, which is yeah. interesting. And, uh, I don't know. I was watching the, um, this so criterion put together like a bunch of film scholars talking about like the the mythology behind this and like you know how, oh it's like uh, this show <laughs> how how kurosawa like kind of came up with these ideas and like kind of going in depth and in, into a lot yeah. of it 
Um, and I, I don't know. I was just I was just kind of thrown by the forty six Ronin thing because they they it's too many. It. Yeah, they mentioned it really briefly, and I was like, how do you how do you know each one of them has it? Like, do you, did, did, yeah. did they just like list it in a book? Like, like this yeah. is a Ronin. It's like th- th- this Ronin makes co- good coffee. You know, like they're, whatever. They're, they're, you get really specialized. Like, like, when you one. put them all together, they make one. Uh, you know, one full um samurai that moves as pretty much as one. And I was like, I feel like you could have. Like I don't even know if you have that many uh, body parts that do something essential. Like yeah, yeah. Well, this guy only does toe holds. Like what? What? Like, what is your? What are your specialties? Like and I, then I and then the fucking uh, the the main bandit sandal breaks and he gets them in the in the toe hold. Exactly. And he's like he's like ha! you're lucky I was here. You guys almost dropped me and just did forty five run and they were like you know what let's invite the toe the toe hold guy. But yeah, exactly. You guys are happy, right? Value. Or if they had like a choir or something. Or if they had like a choir for the whole band or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much you guys pay attention to entertainment like before uh, film never. was actually I've invented. Never, I've never but paid like, any attention to any entertainment. Well, no, I mean before <laughs> film and cinema were invented, like people had a lot more time on their hands. Like uh, Wagner's Ring Cycle takes fucking oh, days sure. if you if you want to do that like level of. Well, I mean, it's like watching drive my car exactly. Look at, uh, <laughs> look, at the, look at the fucking. I mean the Bible. Like I'm not saying that I've read all the Bible, and a big reason is that like a, a big part of Genesis is just listing off names and like who they're related wait, wait, to, wait. And, then, and then the you, person the person you don't read it every year like a good Christian. <laughs> <laughs> the person never uh the person never comes into the story it's just a a list of like who they're related to and it's like i don't like if, if you're not going to invite this character in i don't need to know anything about them that would have made a little more interesting um you know if in that whole like you know jephtha he's really good with swords and you know uh you know hephtha is they're a demolitions expert or whatever that would that would have made yeah. the bible a little more interesting but uh, <laughs> he was zazzing up a little a, bit just having hey, a demolitions hey, expert you know who else has the Bible? King James. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, having a demolition expert in the Bible that isn't God would have been far more interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm in. Like, I can go. read explosives. And everyone looks at him and goes, what the fuck are explosives? And he's like, oh, you're, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> yeah. oh, After I blow up the enemy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but 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 like, but think about the terms of like all of these like kinds of films, right? Like the the, the films that were inspired, <laughs> that were inspired by Seven Samurai and the like, and that type of storytelling, or like maybe you know older myths and whatnot. There there are certain archetypes. There's like the big guy, the strong guy. Oh, that's our our heavy. He like moves like the heavy stuff or whatever. And then there's like for modern equivalents, there is the demolition expert, right? And there's always like then there's always uh, the who's the Toshiro Mifune character in here, the loon. Even though they're maybe not called by that, which is like the, the yeah. funny one, the goofball yeah. or whatever, right? Uh, but it is interesting that th- this is more so than any of the other versions inspired by it. His character is more steeped in actual Japanese, like uh, archetypical myth. Like the loon is like a, like a known character with it within uh, within mm. myth. Yeah, it's and against the- type. It's against type for what we think of with with uh, Toshiro Mifune, who who worked with Kurosawa plenty. But like I mean, like I for him it's great because he gets to like be a totally different kind of guy, different kind of yeah. character. So somebody's not cool because because that's what he always yeah. is. It's like he's the cool always guy. the coolest guy. <laughs> like the he's like the lead. You know, like look like Hidden Fortress or something, or you know, like you know, literally any of the ones mentioned in the in the preview. But like yeah, he gets to actually you know act, and then you find out. And I don't want to get, get the way of ourselves, but you, you you find out that like he's got this this tragic story where like he does come from like a farming background. Right. And so when you talk about the mm-hmm. whole, like, well, these bastards, like, killed all these samurai and took their stuff. It's like, well, yeah, but have you seen, like, what samurai actually do? Which is, he's, you know, he's kind of the, he's the, the, he's the first Marxist in a way. 
He's like, he like brings the fucking class conflict into the. Into and the when he saves right. the baby, right? It's like he's like this was like like what he's like. This is my background or whatever. This yeah, baby is he. Um, so this this is this is a little bit on the background from that Criterion thing. I don't. Cool. I mean, I won't go too heavy into this because I have a bunch of Kurosawa clips. So uh, I'd rather play those. But this is kind of an interesting. Instead of this guy, sorry, this guy. Come yeah. next week, this guy. <laughs> Samurai genre is a bit like the Western genre in the American film tradition in that uh, both genres come out of the cultural history of the respective countries. They are both genres that cinema inherited rather than invented. There's certainly theater. Uh, lots of plays have been about famous battles and famous warriors. And there are lots and lots of uh, stories about uh, legendary battles and famous anecdotes oh, of samurai, samurai history. history. Hold on, this this one actually. Um, one second. It's still going to be this guy. I, I do want to say just since probably going to be Shiro Fume. Um, my yeah. favorite thing about him is that he almost played uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. And, uh, yeah, he was offered both roles. He could also get it, apparently. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, we talked we talked about that when we did the the ran. Uh, uh, the, the I, see, ran. I was watching Gang of Four when you guys did that one. So yeah, having a having a much a much fun, more fun time. Probably less slides, but I don't know. <laughs> Integral part of Bushido was the sword of the samurai. The sword of the samurai was the personification. It really is that guy. Again. <laughs> Only the samurai among all the classes in Japan were entitled to carry swords. This, in fact, is what distinguished them, along with their top knot, is the fact that, that they were bearing these weapons. So the samurai would, in fact, carry two swords, a, a longer sword for dueling and a short sword for the symbolic idea that he could be or would commit ritual suicide. Uh, at a moment's notice by using the short sword to cut himself open. So there's all kinds of clues to the fact that Kikuchio is not a samurai, both by how he treats the sword and the kind of sword that he carries. Kikuchio has an extremely long sword, but he doesn't have a short sword. So <laughs> he's an oddball uh, among samurai. But it is clear that the mystique of the samurai has centered on the sword. え、なぜそのゴパーセントぐらいのサムライのモラルが日本人にとって特に重要だったかといえばこれはですね、あの、今から150年ぐらい前から日本があの鎖国をやめて開国した時にえ、気がついたらそれまで世界のことを知らなか
So that's very interesting because culturally this movie looms very large, uh, not just for its landmarks in film, but because of those same reasons, which for those that maybe are listening to the podcast or just despise reading, uh, it's talking about how like samurai culture was basically co-opted to be for like a national identity and towards uh, national uh, international geopolitics. And then that came crashing down after World War II, which for what I can only assume is obvious reasons. So one of the reasons why this is such a culturally important movie uh, in Japan too is because the the sitting seven samurai they're fighting for like not the emperor they're they're not fight fighting for their house they're not fighting for their for their um uh for their local uh, ruler they're fighting for these people and that yeah, was very important because 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 there's no specifically yeah, impover- impoverished people that were there was no modern legends of that and the legends that had shown that had been kind of kind of marginalized because it didn't fit the like no do it for the emperor uh kind of, kind of <laughs> mindset and 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 that's where and again back to because all roads lead back to Mish- mishima right uh that there was a, that new imperials movement that came out that actually had a common cause with some of the more progressive elements of um of, of japanese culture as well but this this movie was incredibly groundbreaking the way that just the idea of rebuilding what a Japanese national identity meant after World War II. Yeah, and, and what uh, this principle of Bushido meant. Like this, yeah, uh, exactly. This, and, and, the, and I like that he pointed out, and again, one more time for people that remember listening to the podcast, he said that a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the, the Bushido ideas were just reapplied to people's jobs, which led to the whole salary man thing. There's a, there's a word called karoshi, which is literally death by overwork. And like, only the Japanese have it. And like one of the reasons why is because of that exact thing. And there's uh, things like Akira, also a um, uh, being remade. Uh, uh, I haven't seen it, but um, this I, was it Living, I think, is the name of it. Uh, well, one of my favorite movies. But like it, it's 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 a Japanese salary man, right? And it's incredible that like all of that stuff like was absolutely sculpted and shaped after World War II, and it's in such a different way than, say, it was by, I don't know, Germany, <laughs> for what it only seems obvious reasons. Which, and, uh, yeah. which which is why the fetishization, I think, of post-war Japan came to America so heavy by American executives, because they're like, how do, the fuck do we get our workers to be like that? Yeah. Like, right, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's like, well, you would need a couple, like, thousand years of uh, cultural indoctrination. If you look at the parallels, though, between, I mean, it's really interesting that this film just gets completely like remanufactured in the United States with Cowboy uh, as a cowboy movie, because in a lot of ways, the cowboy genre is a construction. It's like a mythic American construction of like, you know, uh, um, let's just fucking ignore the Civil War. Like, (laughs) let's (laughs) pretend that didn't happen. And everyone was out riding horses and you know, uh, uh, riding fences and whatnot. Killing, killing uh, Indians as, who you never really uh, get any kind of characterization of. They're just kind of Indians. Right. In the same way, they're kind of bandits and something like this. Uh, yeah. The, the but bandits, in the same way, in the same way, it's elevated and mutated by people like Sergio Leone, who like the legend and myth-making of it. But again, further divorced from the actual events and like maybe the fact that like, uh, you, you know, there was some nuance involved with all of it. But again, Joe, that's a great point because what's the closest thing to an American legend for such a young country? Well, the time it was like the Western. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and Kurosawa, you know, hung out with John Ford all the time and like on John. Yeah, Wayne Kurosawa wanted like to that. make a Western. Yeah. Uh, so he was, but he, you know, there's no market. Very much, um, 
it was very yeah. much a reciprocal relationship as Kurosawa yeah, give um, take. tried to kind of tried to remake the Japanese uh, national identity, which he was not trying to do some kind of corporatized like, hey, let's turn people into salarymen. Like the point of this movie is that, uh, you know, it's, it's a populist story, right? Like it's a Cabra-esque, like, um, you know, got like plucky guys coming in and defeating these uh, horrible bandits and they're doing it for the people. And it's like, it's it's recasting a, that. A, a doomed yeah. expedition, ultimately, because they're under understaffed, as if they yeah. use corporate speak. Like, even though like they're fantastic, right? Like, uh, again, like how many were there supposed to be? 47? Like, originally, yeah, that seems more like, you know, that, that would be like more fair. But like the, the idea of the indomitable spirit of heroism was like what he was going for, which is what a lot of those old legends are about. But they've again been co-opted for imperial identity for so often and so long that people have kind of forgotten about that. So he got to tell this really pure form using this structure that honestly still a new art form as far as popular consensus was at the time. That's how, how old this movie is. It's um, also gritty. <laughs> you know, it's gritty yeah, in a way uh, that you don't see until like war, you know, war movies that we look at and go, whoa, that's this is a gritty war movie. It did that. You have peasants face down in a in a ditch of water, dead. You know, yeah. You, you Yeah. And then they kind of pick the guy up and they're like, oh, it's this peasant and put him back in the like it's not like <laughs> They're like, they're like, is this my boy? No, nah, that's not my boy. No, All no, right. not well, I know who this guy no. is. Put him in. Um, yeah, but like another another part of it um, is that uh, in that in that little documentary, which uh, it was the Japanese guy that said this. So I mean, who knows how much he was kind of uh, fishing around with this um, and like you know, kind of walking around some of the more uh, fascist elements of uh, older Japanese stuff, right? Like not this era of Japanese or Kurosawa, but like he was talking about how, um, you know, like samurai were kind of the bureaucrats of Japanese society. Like they were kind yeah, of, they're, the, they're, they're like the local, they're like the local judiciary, basically. Yeah. Like they're like so, the cop the Ronin, judge. Ronan's <laughs> uh, sheriff Ronin's of Nottingham, kind of basically. Captured yeah. the imagination, not just because they're um, like outlaws, not just because they're kind of, you know, doing this stuff, not for an employer, but kind of, uh, you know, yeah. on, on commission or kind of as mercenaries, but also because, the actual samurai that were working for the emperor at the time, like, were kind of just boring. Like, they were just kind of riding around doing, uh, you know, they were, they were doing the business like, of their employer, yeah. basically. And, <laughs> and, and Ronan, are, yeah, Ronan being masterless samurai, that is more interesting because why are they masterless? Well, maybe like two no. of these, uh, two of these guys, right? Everyone was killed and like the house fell, but they survived. So what do they do now? So they're kind of like roaming around, and that's like, uh, you know, um, the, the 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 two head guys in this. That's that's they're like Ronin around. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> that's another like uh, yeah, because they, that... they got two choices. Uh, whenever you know, whenever that happens, whenever the house yeah. falls, they either kill themselves or become Ronin uh, or yeah. basically mercenaries. I think that's and, a really yeah, Kurosawa to set it at the time that he did because this was a time in Japanese history where all these shogunates were just you know uh, toppling. There was civil war, and even yeah. the peasants in the beginning, when they're all there uh, crying, you know, with their you know uh, in the dirt, you know, because they they know they're done for when the bandits come back. They say something like war, famine, drought, you know, like all they, they, there's the stack of issues um, and such small portions. <laughs> Hey man, the rice looked good. I want, I want some of that rice. Um, that, that was luxuries. Just a bowl of white rice, you know. But. So there is a there is a um, a documentary that came out. You know, Kurosawa did not do very many TV uh, appearances. Um, he did that one with Dick Cavett, but you get flagged when you play that. I learned the whole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's, so, that's okay because you mentioning that allows me to drop in the fact that I like that rice is like, oh, oh, you're fancy. You got rice yeah. instead of millet, which is 
fucking disgusting, by the way. If no, if anybody's ever had it, <laughs> it's not great. But that's like what the villagers eat to like pay these dudes in rice, which is like that shows how poor it is. So it's like, oh yeah, no, we'll give you the good stuff. We'll give you the rice. Yep. So Amazing. this is a this is a nineteen. Uh, this is a, a few minute clip, but this is a nineteen. Uh, and I'm sorry for anyone in in pod or in audio form because this is going to have subtitles. But there's no like there's practice no, your Japanese. It's fine. There's no uh, there's no Kurosawa. You know, speaks for two hours in English documentaries out there. He could he could speak uh, some English, obviously, but like you know, not not enough to give a thing called uh my life in film by Kurosawa. <laughs> so this is this is from that it's a few minutes but um this is him talking about the art of the period drama and uh not just this film but in general like throughout his career why he chose that genre and why and the kind of the different things that he chose to do with it um as opposed awesome. to like the wartime cinema such a great period piece <laughs> あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あ
現場行くと杉林の中で焚き火してさこうやって、うん、まさにのぶしですよね、うん、そういうものをちっとも取るとしないわけで田さんは今生きた北風があってみんな待たせられてるのぶしたちがね、うん、馬は風の方へ押し向けるんですよね。うん、でこうみんなうなだれてこうでもこういう、うん、あの雲がこうあっていい感じなんですよね。うん、あのまさにいえ国を思えばはるかなりって歌なんか出てくるけどなんかそういう感じね、うん、そういうものをちょっとつく。捕まえようとしないんだな、うん、いつかそういうものを捕まえてみたいなと思ってたんでその時は一番最初だけどね、うんうん、なんか常識的な時代劇は撮ってるんだけど、ねうん、いいものがあるのにね、うん、なぜそれを撮らねえのかなと思ったんですねその時、うん、完全に時代劇というとどうしても様式というか型にはまっちゃったわけですよねそ,それもその本当じゃないんだよね、うん、この本当にしようとしたら大変ですよね、うんあんなもんじゃないんで時代劇ってのは勝手に、うん、映画で作ったこう常識の世界から出ようとしないからつまらないんだね、うん、だから本当に当時はどうだ本当にどうだったんだと思ってやったらね、うん、その大変ですよね、うん、だからシーンのサムの百姓ずらっと言うと「ペゼンツウィッグズ」は違う。Usually the top hairline comes up to here, but ours came much lower. So a special lining was used for the top part of the wigs. So you prepared all new wigs? Yes, we did. Someone drew sketches of them. No, the hairstylist, Yamada, who has since passed away, was passionate about his work and wanted to also do them in that way. But it was Cezanne、uh, Maeda who first said, the painter, he says, yeah, the painter. The top knot hairstyle seen in films looked odd because the top of the head was shaped only down to here, where the hair ends and set like a, bar, a bar of solid seaweed jelly. He drew a sketch of how it should look, explaining how the top is shaved in the position of the top knot. Yamada listened recently, intently, and worked hard to recreate what he'd heard. Unless you put in that kind of effort, you can't break away from convention. It creates something new. A helmet worn by one of the bandits was actually a national treasure. And Maeda chided me for it. Don't you know that's a national treasure? He said, I think what you did is okay. Yeah, yeah, Very thanks. cool, man. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> He's so right about that shit with like actors today don't look like people look back then. Like, You know, every 20, 21 year old kid in like World War One looked like he'd like smoked a pack a day since he was eight and killed five guys even <laughs>、yeah. before the war, the war started. You know, well, my wife and I, that, that's, that's why a, it's really funny in 12 Monkeys where they insert fucking, uh, <laughs> they insert, uh, like a, like a full grown fucking Bruce Willis into the, <laughs> into the photo from World War One. 
Yeah, it's like he looks like your grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, maybe, like, whoa, I didn't even notice that he was in there before. Yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe yeah, David Bowie in his like late 30s, early 40s in that Mr. Merry Christmas, uh, Mr. Lawrence, he's like supposed to be 16. It makes sense now a little bit, but that's <laughs> right. um, like a beef my wife and I have. We'll watch, we watch a lot of period stuff and like, when you're just like, this fool doesn't look like he's from the 1800. Like, yeah, like got, like, Toby McGuire in there, like, yeah, <laughs> the boy, the boy emperor, <laughs> Toby McGuire. Yeah, because well, the modern, well, and I think it's there is an idea of like modern actors kind of like maintaining youth, whereas it used to be that like, oh, this, you know, this person looks distinguished. Like this mm -hmm. person is a distinguished actor, which usually meant they were aging rather than like, you know, doing plastic surgery and whatnot to make sure to look like they are not aging. <laughs> yeah. and i think that the, but it but it is notable too like like because i think it, it's all tracks because remember this is like a nasty brutal time where like lives were not long at all yeah. i think that was a really impressive thing was like the makeup work and the wig work on a lot of these like the peasants and you know all the yeah. scenes with the children crowding around like the funny one i forget his name and you see these kids like their faces are filthy and their clothes are dirty <laughs> right. and like they're they're walking through the village and just just dust is blowing everywhere that was the thing where um I don't know. I, I love this film. I, I saw this when I was first in high school and I was in filmmaking class and it was very formative because it's like it's a perfect film. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I saw and it they the shaved the women's eyebrows. Oh, I uh, I watched I watched it my first year of like freshman year of college. Um, yeah. But I think so they I made us watch the, the yeah. version of it where they lobbed fucking 50 minutes off of it, which kind of sucked. Uh, I didn't get the. Ooh. But, you yeah, know, I, I mean, it's yeah. not like I was paying it like enough attention uh in that year like i'm really happy to have rewatched it but i remember like i remember a lot of the themes in it but like not you know not in in the context of like it being as breathtaking of a movie as it truly really is yeah i i can't but, sit still I... through things through shit and i sat there fucking intently watching yeah. it for the entire you know uh three hours and 26 minutes my mom who also yeah. has like you know pretty bad adhd was like i'm not gonna like this and then sat there and like for the next few days was like holy shit that was like one of the best movies and i was like yeah well it's you know straight it's, up it's one of the there, most no iconic movies. there's like nothing yeah to cut. it's like yeah, well, uh, the end of the yeah. world yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and in this and in this case, the three hour and twenty six minute uh, cycle of it is supposed to represent the fullness of a of a full harvest, right? Like uh, when they take the the you know the rice in the beginning to when they actually have to harvest it early to you know the end of it. It's supposed to be like the full cycle that you're kind of because well, they come back because the, the, the marauders are in the beginning. And you're like, hey, we'll come back when you're done. Yeah, and the barley is right back. <laughs> I love that scene. Well, because they're like, oh, there's no point in stealing from these fools right now. I don't have anything. So we'll come back when you have something and, to steal. And it makes I think uh putting that clip into context, it makes perfect sense that he's like, Oh, there's all these things that you know, because the ancient, like or not ancient, but like the, the early versions of a lot of these films, like the period drama, is just kind of like a bunch of uh Japanese dudes covered in mud in like the 1920s and 30s, just like you know, hitting each other with swords, and it's not supposed to be um, you know, it's just supposed to be kind of something that's entertaining. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's more about the sword play, like, a, uh, you know, a, a kind of, uh, almost like the British did with like some of those early, like sword play movies. You know what I mean? Like it's supposed to be more yeah. about that. A lot of shootouts in Westerns too. Yeah. Just like... Well, that's so, part of the adventureness of it all. Right. Which yeah. is, this, this is yeah. movie night adventure. We're, we're adventure next extravaganza, whatever when we said it, I forgot. And, uh, this, that's what brings the adventure to it, which is, is more than just that. This is something that's like perfectly emblematic of that form, but transcends it as well. And when you think about what I just want to slip in is like things like, uh, like the, the, the shot work, right? Like the, like the shots where you see like, Incredible. like the, 
they're, they're coming through like it's like a tunnel right this that just wasn't done that wasn't a thing that was done period and like some of the action stuff like like you know especially like like when there's like the rain going and like the mud again wasn't done people just didn't try that they're like someone's gonna get killed if we try to do something like that <laughs> exactly exactly like my my film teacher in high school he showed us clips um and then it was like me and my friends who went and watched the whole thing on our own but it was just one of those things where he was like look he's got multiple cameras on one situation they're shooting live with multiple cameras one of them is high up one of them's down low one of them's yep. over here one of them's over there here's how he's cutting on the action here like they're just so, you can learn everything you need to know still today to be a modern filmmaker sorry it's, not, it's no computer graphics or whatever but um <laughs> it's it's just it's incredible you can learn everything you need about camera movement you can learn everything you need to learn about editing and just composition of shots man and in black and white in black and white it's one of the most yep. beautiful things you've ever seen and it's yes. in black and white i just mm. yeah mm. And, and jay, jay hutch brings up uh i was gonna go ahead Andy, i'll just oh i was just gonna say whenever i first saw it uh, we, we, uh, me and my friends in uh, college, we kept watching like movie marathons uh, every every uh, Friday night. And so like uh, one night it'd be like, oh, we watched the Star Wars trilogy and the next would be like Evil Dead trilogy. And then one night we watched Seven Samurai. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We started it well, at midnight. I, like I was the only yeah. person awake and I'm like, I was going to say from the ceiling. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like me and one other guy, we were just like pumped and everybody's asleep and we're just like, why they finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> the third, the third act is also like the. Uh, I feel like the 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 you know the action of the third act and like the climax is kind of the shortest part of the movie too. You're like, it is. like so much of it is like a slow drip to like. Well, all right. So they found all seven samurai. Oh, they lost one. Oh, they found seven. Yeah. Well, well that's well. Okay, you're you're getting ahead because I actually I want to bring up what what Jay Hutch brought up exactly. But didn't get the chance earlier that again it's about process in a lot of ways, right? Most movies would not show them finding all seven samurai, not testing them, not having uh Katsushiro like have the <laughs> the wood thing and the door and like the test of like okay if I can whack him over the head we don't want him right and which is hilarious because uh, when Kikuchiyo comes in of course he's wasted so he gets, <laughs> whacked. he gets whacked easily but then he ends up being to certainly one of the more valuable uh, uh samurai uh, to the overall expedition but like but not a true samurai right but not a true samurai he's right the george like, santos old... of the seven <laughs> exactly but like like he ha and like he has his like no this is my uh lineage this is this is my my uh and he's like well you'd be 13 if this was true so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he had yeah. somebody he had somebody else's well, that's because he's been smoking company packs a day and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but uh, i think that that's his oh okay. yeah but i think that's one thing that's so important is because like that that and the fact that like originally they're like oh this guy whatever and oh he's following us uh and they're like oh i actually kind of miss him you know and then they find that he has value because first of all he's about the only one that can relate to the villagers on any yeah. level other than giving them orders and then even when he gives them orders they're like okay well that's like Sure, we'll accept it because this is the guy that's like kind of personable, and obviously he's the loon. He's a loon, right? Like yeah. a, he's he occupy like he's kind of like a bit of a goofball, but also sort of like watch out for him. He's crazy. Yeah, and not even the most goofy of them because there's the one the wood, the woodchop guy. He's like, I found this guy that's great at comedy. This he's is <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got he was doing he was doing stand up, and I was just blown away. And I was like, dude, samurai. Yeah, magic. That's that's what we need, you know. Yeah. That was Samurai. I mean, Gotta I have you on the team. I think that's what was fun. Like what he was doing that was so funny in that moment. The other guy just like found him very amusing. And, and yeah. Um, but it's so funny. Like 
you realize was he really amusing or was he just broke that's my question yeah he was he was (laughs) everyone has their own motivations for joining up right so yeah yeah part of the fun of this movie like when and i seeing it as like a teenager and then seeing it again was you realize how much of what you've already consumed even as a kid is influenced but like oh, yeah David a template like a bug's life is the most obvious because it, it's a goof on the story like he goes and gets yeah. the warriors but they're circus performers like that's a funny you know funny take on it but even like there's elements of it in like um I'm a true 90s kid so Rick Moranis was king at the time and little giants like remember little giants they have the whole sequence of little giants where they're nope. going out you guys never seen little giants I, I don't even know what you're talking about you 80s people, man. Now you know what it feels like to, to, for, to be us on this show, Andy. <laughs> uh, this is how I feel with Andy all the time. I'm like, how? what the, What is this movie? Little Giants was a Rick Moranis movie where uh, okay. it's like a little league football team. And um, his daughter doesn't get picked or whatever on the team because she, she wants to play. Gender roles, interesting. But um, And then they go out and they create this ragtag misfit team, the Little Giants. I feel like I did see this as a kid. You but... did. You, you Everybody did in the 90s. And I think it, you're it a lot closer like... to me for it. But they yeah, have those it, scenes. It, they literally have the same scenes where the kids are wandering around and they come to a vacant lot and there's like a kid all alone just doing stuff in the vacant lot and they're like, hmm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like watching him. No, it's, it's, well, it's it's Funny. the ultimate team up movie, right? Like it's the ultimate, yeah. uh, you know, we're going to form a team and do something. But then because it's Kurosawa, because he's a genius, he actually shows you in, in time, which is the process part of it, like finding each member of the team, right. which movies like kind of just yada, 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 because they're just trying yeah. to get to like whatever the, the final conversation is. Yeah, they want to get to the, not, get to the fireworks factory. Get yeah, that was in, in no hurry to get to the final conversation. So he gets no. to be like, you know, oops, we lost the samurai. Now we got to fight another yeah. one on top of this one. Yeah. But hey, at least we got this one. Oh, well, there's a guy chopping wood. That's hilarious. Let's bring that guy along with us. Oh, you know, some kid just kind of followed <laughs> us. Like, <Yeah. laughs> well, and that and that's the, the the scene where the first samurai falls is actually a heartbreaker for a number of reasons. But I just wanted to point out before this conversation drifts too far off to something else is that uh, Saji uh, Miyaguchi's character Kyozu, he's he's like the master, right? Like the trope, the the, the not the trope, the the parable is of like the master he's like the master of his craft and like he you see him you're introduced to him and he's sparring it's in the intro right he's sparring and like and then the guy who can't handle that he got got is like no no let's let's do this real swords i'm gonna get you and it's like it's like no it's you know you're taking your life in your hands whatever he says and 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 then he and he kills him but he doesn't he does it reluctantly and i was thinking about like think about things even down to like samurai jack like that idea of like being so good that you like don't do your best often specifically because you know that it will be too much. And like, have, and I was like, wow, that's crazy because it's like that came from Japanese legend, like the legend, like the master or whatever. But like yeah. to have it humanized and have someone another, like in fact, the, the, the young buck, the young up and comer, uh, the Katsushiro character who like kind of idolizes him, like wants to be like him. Totally. Like want like it like admires like his strength of purpose and the fact that he's dedicated his life to being the best of who he is and his little neurodivergent or whatever you'd call it and uh, doesn't <laughs> doesn't tell him the right way right but, uh, yeah exactly is, yeah this is uh, about how they've 
kind of settled this in. Yeah, this guy again, but this is how we kind of settled it. <laughs> Japanese if we movie. didn't have enough white dudes discussing this, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get a few Japanese more. movie. We well, I wanted to do a team up, right? I wanted to bring in <laughs> yeah. like seven white dudes. Yeah. And- <laughs> yep. We call we call him Brainy know. over here. Hey, Brainy. <laughs> Samurai genre is a bit like the Western genre in the American film tradition in that uh, both are genres that come out of the cultural history of the respective countries. They are both genres that cinema inherited rather than invented. There's certainly theater. Uh, lots of plays have been about famous battles and famous warriors. And there are lots and lots of uh, stories about uh, legendary battles and famous anecdotes of samurai history. The Japanese turn out to have an insatiable appetite for retelling of familiar stories. If they can be retold in a slightly more vivid or more colorful or more detailed way, there seems to be no impatience with, you know, we've heard it all before, nothing like that. People are only too happy to keep on consuming the same old, same old, same old thing. Miyamoto Musashi is hard compared to an American figure, maybe someone between uh, Jesse James and Abraham Lincoln. But because he was a famous swordsman, because he was an actual figure, because he actually wrote poetry, studied Zen, and wrote a book about uh, the influence of Zen on fighting and on life, the Book of Five Rings, uh, he is a kind of figure that encapsulates maybe the the two twin poles of the samurai. On the one hand, he's a great, violent, famous swordsman. And on the other hand, he was something like a Zen master. So the idea of the Zen swordsman uh, that you see in the figure of Kyuzo in Seven Samurai, uh, he's a kind of Musashi-like figure, although you don't see him doing calligraphy or writing poetry, but that seeming paradox, a great warrior, and yet a man who, when he's not fighting, is literally at peace uh, I think Miyamoto Musashi really encapsulates. And after, you know, 75, 80 films, a number of novels, I think for whatever reason, it's clear to say the Japanese do like their Miyamoto Musashi. I mean, that's it exactly, right? That's it's, it's like when we think of like the trope of like the samurai, we think of like the totally zenned out, like, you know, again, the, just the, the, the Kyoso of it all. And it's, it's amazing that... Um, like that character would be that powerful in fiction to, to basically redefine like a, like a, a, a role in narrative uh, that has been, existed for literal centuries. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that Not also heavily influenced. Sorry, Andy. It, it heavily influenced like uh, a lot of the media that, that I grew up with because uh, uh, comic books and, uh, you know, specifically, 
you know, you look at like, uh, you know, what Frank Miller was pulling from, which was a lot of the same yeah. stuff. And, uh, you know, because uh, he was, you know, <laughs> that, that's was, clearly from earlier, but that's hilarious. The other one was Honey, I Shrunk the Gen X references from the show. That one was that's, I, saw, I see that one, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Samurai Jack. Good one, we got Stevie. A lot of, good yeah, one, Stevie. Yeah. Good one. Um, but, but, I guess. Uh, uh, no, I was we'll just gonna there. say, uh, you know, uh, bring up uh, his cover Stallone, Wolf and Cub, uh, and uh, no, yeah, 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 with, yeah, totally. uh, uh, Hokusai, who who uh, is is known in Japan uh, now as the uh, father of manga, but but uh, Hokusai was a nineteenth uh, century printmaker that um, uh, you know, uh, like like if you think samurai prints, you think Hokusai. Yeah, yeah, Love that actually stuff. came up in Protonic. Not that long ago, weirdly. Anyway, but I'll, I'll I guess I guess uh, Miyamoto, like the the that character, I guess, or you know, a, a real historical figure, was in the um like the the fifteen and sixteen hundreds, pretty much li like lived. And I guess the book The Five Rings is famous because it was seven days before. I'm not kidding about this. It's not a ring reference. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. rings, well, like, well, well, but that yeah, he, in and of itself well, is pulled. He, he gave the the like the uh, manuscript of the book of the five rings to his student seven days yeah. before he died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. But by like, a woman crawling out of the book, it was weird. Very prescient. I'm 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 with you guys on that. It's it's super fascinating um, to me. It's like this movie is depthful, man. Just the plot. It's, there is so many layers like the peasants aren't entirely good you know the the uh, yeah. the samurai aren't entirely good i mean they do tr try to de depict especially the leader as like you know almost i mean they start by he shaves his head like a monk to look like a monk to save a child yeah. like that's very yep. you know uh, um like that but at the same time like you know they, there's so many layers to it like like they want to hide their daughters you know they want the the young woman who her father cuts her hair you know, out of fear for the samurai, and because, they fall because in, right, they they fall in love, yeah, and, and, and the one and the one neurodivergent guy again is awkward enough that he rolls down the hill with her and opens her shirt, and it's like, oh, oh, yeah. oh my goodness, you didn't mean to do all that. Well, watching as a boy, you know, but um, it's just, it's just, and you know, and then she ends up falling in love with him, and but then you know, like the the societal pressure of peasants and samurais don't like. All those layers. Well, because because they're different case, and it would it would never it would yeah. never like it would never work. Is and also then by the nature of a very patriarchal uh, civilization, that like also it it ruins her for future marriage yeah. as well. Which we can yeah. discuss that all you want. But I mean, look look at the time period. Not exactly a mm -hmm. you know a hotbed just, of feminism. Let me put it that way. The fact that the film deals with that. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and again, like depicting samurais in this way where you have. Um, I, I sorry, I don't know any of their names, but the loon character who has that tirade. Kikuchio. Yeah, Kikuchio in, in the yeah. opening has that tirade where he's like, Yeah, they yeah, they killed samurai, but you kill them, you know, everybody sucks. You know, it's this kind of and, and that's a that's an idea that's way ahead of its time too, right? Like the the yeah. almost like the anti-hero kind of uh, idea, yeah. right? Like the yes. the, the, the fact that was, was uh, you know people are people are kind of just a product of their environment, and it's like, yeah, like you guys are kind of indistinguishable from the bandits like to to a farmer right like yeah. if you're fleeing in battle and there's bandits it's, chasing you like if you people guys, are looking to end your life at like a moment's notice and at, at their own yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they're not just gonna you know they're like you guys might be cool like you this group of fucking six other samurai but like 
a lot of samurai, like they're not just going to get paid in, like they're going to be like, yeah, well, I'm going to get paid in rice, but I'm also going to, you know, rape your daughter and fucking take whatever you have in your house. And like, now, like I've won the battle, like there's no more bandits, fuck you. And, you know, for that to be kind of the the farmers being like, look, we're we're starving. Like we need to defend ourselves against future bandits. These dudes just lost to the fucking bandits. Like we need the, we need that armor more than they do at this point. (laughs) Well, and then the idea that in Kikachu, who also comes from a background of being like the oppressed, like being like the farm kid, like is also first point out, like, you know, and he's, and he's like, just kind of angry ranting about it. Like, Oh, they hold back. They're, they're always holding back stuff. Like it's what they do. And then you see the night before, like the very last part of the battle where it's already like, things have gotten rough. It's like they were holding back. They have like yeah. the whole thing of like sake. They got the good food, and like they do bring it out. And it, but it's also part of the thing that makes it so nuanced because it's like, yeah, yeah they're holding back, but like look at it from their perspective because they don't know for sure that they're gonna win. So like, you know, what are you gonna do? Like spend everything you have and not have any resources available. Like I, it, it's totally understandable. And like, there's not really a villain in any part of it. It's just kind of the way that that culture it's real. was. It's morally it's real. gray. It's morally gray. Well, and, I mean, it's uh, also, you know, strategically, like why would you put your village next to mountains? Like it's cause you can hide fields in those mountains, like yeah. for, for the backup, you know, like uh, things like it's not going to grow. It's not going to grow something crazy. You're going to grow fucking millet or something. You're probably not going to grow rice up there, but like, at least you have some kind of backup plan. Starve to death if somebody steals all your stuff. Yeah. If bandits, you know, ride into your fucking town, you can dip up into the mountains the way that, you know, I mean, guerrilla fighters uh, have done for fucking centuries. Something that and there's there's just not going to be a, a, a good time to bring it up, but like again, when the first the first of the seven falls, it's when uh, the place is burning with the uh, um, uh, Rikichi's wife, who has been captured by the Marauders and basically made into an opium addicted sex slave. Yeah, and this is sort of like like. Again, for people that don't pay super close attention, they might be like, well, well, hold on, what's the deal with this? It's like, no, like she was like literally enslaved by like these marauders who are obviously not, you know, it's like, it's very clear they're not good dudes just from like our initial meeting of them. And like, so when they keep being like, oh, haha, you need to get a wife. And like, the guy, he, was, he flips out. And one of the reasons he flips out is because like the marauders took her. And then like, he's like, oh, we're finally going to be reunited. And yeah, she it was, it's heartbreaking. She, she kills herself. Walked, she she kills back into the building. Well, she's cl- very yeah. clearly like have, having a realization of like everything that, that's come to pass, and that she can't go back to the way that she was, and like she chooses to end her own life, and and in the process of which is uh, was it Hihachi, the, the, who's the, who actually he dies first in the movie as a dude, the longest lived of all of the actors in this movie. That's an interesting. <laughs> oh. Mm. But yeah, right. he's the first one to fall, and he's and he's basically just trying to help out, like because yeah. it's like, hey, we can't. Are we really doing that good of a job if we don't, you know, think about the human cost of this? Ultimately, it's like, like you know, they're paraphrasing like what like the thought processes, and it's but it's horrible because it's, you got to think about the fact that like literally she was like a sex slave. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, rescued, cool, but can you like erase what has happened since I've been captured? Because it's not really a rescue; it's just like you know the end of pain which is just horrible and that's like what the first third of the movie like i mean like like it's sort of like you know maybe like in the, like before the half that's like, in the middle period yeah that's it's like the middle, middle. second like, half early yeah. on and it's like oh my god that's so heavy Jesus. it's super heavy and, and then that character is like you know relishing and stabbing <laughs> stabbing the bandits you yeah. know the, to the point that they're like hey you gotta come back you know to your post you're 
you know, you can't kill them all, you know. So, I mean, there there's revenge. There's but you get why class. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there there's um, you know gender dynamics. There's uh, just you know the the time period, the war, the, like the just the the displacement and the um, you know the uh, uh, uncertain times at the time. You know, all all of these. It's interesting too. Just the samurai themselves all are ronin. They all represent that they've, you know, that they're just, just rudderless ships. Almost they don't have, they don't have a, a lord or vassal or whatever that they serve under. So it's like, yeah. you know, it, it, imagine, imagine a medieval adventure where they're all knights without lords. You know what I mean? Like they, they like what, yeah. what would they even do? You know. So it, it, um. Well, it's similar to some of the earlier, uh, you know, Camelot kind of stories where um, he kind of just goes around trying to find people to help him, like, you know, help find the Holy Grail or whatever. Like, Monty Python, yeah. yeah but, but, like, no, but, like, they do no, a pretty that good in that, from the, the yeah, that. But that comes from, like, the actual medieval stories where Arthur's yeah. kind of just wandering around and he's like, oh, you you seem cool. You're a knight. So, like, yeah. I, the, those things are happening simultaneously, right? Like, it's happening at the same time in Japan that it's happening in uh, in, in England. The same kind of two warrior yeah. class uh, mythologized myth mythologized kind of stories. With the difference being like, although knights, you know, like they, they had had their code for sure. Bushido is definitely much more stringent and more uh, fixated yeah. on the concept of honor. And, and again, going back to like the initial, I guess you call it the thesis statement earlier on, is that like the idea of like what does honor mean uh, post World War Two. In Japan, because a lot of people thought it was basically Japanese honor that uh, basically got Japan involved in World War II in the first place. It was the fact that they were standing standing by their ally. Honor yeah. culture. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much uh, honor, but like it's similar to the code of like chivalry. Not in this. I don't think it's honor. Is I mean, it is honor. Prefer. It's exactly honor. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. No, but I'm saying like like the like the, the you know uh, in 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 like knights kind of have the the code of chivalry. Oh, you you mean the English less, sure, yeah, the, less they, about exactly. honor, I yeah, think, yeah. and more about you know uh, the bravery and and heroism and the right, individualism right. of that. Galahad's not sitting yeah. around with it with a with a sword to like commit ritual suicide. Like, yeah. yeah, different definitions of honor. It's still honor. <laughs> Or, or different yeah, definitions of uh, you know, just vibes like what you're because uh, I don't I don't think it's honor that fucking um that you know European people it's individual valor I think which is a valor which a lot of valor about, is, yeah. a, is a good term for that for which says sure. a lot yeah. about the difference between uh, European you know uh, what would become you know hyper capitalist first society like industrial industrialized society and what would become Japanese nationalism it's the idea of like oh well you want to be brave to be brave rather than kind of you want to be brave because uh you know you're gonna die for the emperor at some point <laughs> i don't yeah. see anybody like dying for king arthur on purpose being like well i guess we fucked up here we didn't get that grail <laughs> yeah. yeah all right again galahad with the with, with his uh sepico dagger <laughs> would be interesting uh, <laughs> if only a trying to think like of we cut it out other. actually <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the other films. Like, I don't know. Like, um, I love Lord of the Rings. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. Um, don't don't judge it by The Hobbit. Don't judge it by Rings of Power. Or whatever. Just go no, watch. No, no, Who would do that? The Lord yeah. of the Rings. You yeah. know, and you realize like Peter Jackson. You know, he's a true film nerd. He's a filmmaker's filmmaker in, in a lot of ways. And um, you know, like the those elements. The, it's funny. Tolkien didn't set him up for success as far as like the finding the team. You know what I mean? It's like Legolas and Gimli show up to the Council of Elrond, 
you get Aragorn. Yeah, there's is like some the dudes that are yeah. around, and some of them are kind of dicks, yeah. and some of them maybe we don't want them around. Like it's like it's, yeah. like, it's like oh my god, like really just get this fellowship yeah. together already. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> you get that in you know as they get, they go along through the Shire, and then they meet Aragorn. That's how like that you know that, that's how that essentially assembles. But just these ideas of the idea of like there's that moment too in Seven Samurai that I really like when they're like we have we've done it like here we all are you know what we i got mean the team. And, yeah. and you shall be the fellowship and then uh yeah the tolkien yeah. the tolkien's like uh all right next book yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah three three and a half that's the thing i feel like this film well, i think i already saw lord of the rings when i uh lord of the rings already come out when i first saw it but i feel like this film as a, for a lord of the rings fan it's like three and a half hours so what so what yeah you know what I mean? This is an intermission. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's another great thing. It reminds me of like um, Cecil B. DeMille's like Ten Commandments with um, like, Charles Look, we Heston. know what's long. There's a moment. You get yourself a drink. Go take that's a bathroom some... break. Yeah, that's well, Batman didn't have an intermission. Snort, snort some cocaine, yeah. whatever you're up to, you know? Well, think yeah, about it. Like... Maybe I would have liked it better if it had an intermission, Andy. You're right. Maybe I would have. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's the only thing that Batman needed. Like you could just send the fucking bat signal, like signal into the sky and then go, uh, well, you know, intermission or something and have some fucking exactly. like, you can, we can all ruminate in how little sexual chemistry the two leads had. Thank you. <laughs> but I think that, you know, like it, it's, it's an earned runtime as, as we've talked about many what, times before, right? Was this 54 and, or 56? I think it's 54, isn't it? It's 54. I think 54. it's 54, realize... but I've also seen 57. Okay, so you realize two years later, Cecil B. DeMille releases Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. That's right, right? yeah. That's another massive epic that uh, in the middle has an intermission, but like, you know, I feel like that like grand epic scale, like that was something that um, Lord of the Rings, you know, building miniatures and, and, you know, doing all kinds of crazy shit like that. Like, I love uh kurosawa and i love um seven samurai because it's so contained it's so um you know it's it, it could almost be like a bottle episode of a show it like happens almost all in one location they go out and they journey to find the other samurai but even then that all happens like they're essentially like in one town over <laughs> you know what i mean like a day or two's walk away to find them and then they, they get them all and then they go back and and um I just there's something interesting, and and as it, when I was a young filmmaker, there's things you could identify with when you're a young filmmaker in, in school or whatever trying to make movies. You're like, all right, we have our friend's house, you know what I mean? <laughs> we have our campus, like that's all we have to work with. How interesting can we make that? And it's just so successful in every way. This this is interesting. So, in the U.S., the film was released in 1955 under the title "The Magnificent Seven. And then following the 1960 release of the American remake, Magnificent Seven, it reverted back to Seven Samurai. And actually did not know that. So, um, it, It's 1954. Uh, Throne of Blood is 1957. Yeah. In, okay. in, uh, Which is in, great. That's that's the, my favorite Shakespeare uh, adaptation. Like, wow. It's, it's a phenomenal film. In Does the it. U.S., though, I guess it got released in 1955. So that's why there's, a, a you know, two different uh, release dates or whatever. With fifty minutes lobbed right. off of it, <laughs> the 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 uh, Americans have no patience. Uh, cut that nobody actually watches anymore. <laughs> Which, to be fair, Americans have no patience, so that is hundred percent true and and still true. Yet movies keep getting longer and longer with no justification for it. So, <laughs> yeah, Jesus yeah. So Christ. Batman did not need to be eight hours long. 
Batman barely Jesus. need to be in that 90 minutes. Which Batman are you guys talking about? The, the Batman. Batman. The, the most recent one. Is that emo Batman? Robert Pattinson Batman? Yeah. 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 I, I shadow It's the only one where you... you here's what, here's, here's oh, two yeah. nice things I'll say about it real quick. Like, you can really get an indication this is a guy that spends most of his time at night like getting up to like these Batman hijinks because you look under the day I'm like oh you look like shit dude which I think is great and you get to see him be a detective those are the two things that, that I like the best about it and Paul Dano's good in yeah. it and uh, um, no, no, there's, Colin there's Farrell's good in it but like yeah yeah there's some great set pieces it's just it's over long and uh, they, they try to and put we're not talking story. about it no I, yeah, I want to talk too much about uh, I, I would have been a great a streaming show let's put it that way but but yeah but where, where it's like the, seven samurai is the same length of time but focuses on yeah. one narrow story and, and it's yeah. there's nothing there's no fat that that uh can be cut from it incredible uh, because it's yeah, it's, exactly. it's 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 it's, it's, it's all it needs to be it's everything's there so, so I, have, I have two clips side plots i have two go clips ahead. uh i want to play and, and talk about before uh i go to we go to letterbox or anything like that um i want to talk both clips are about the same subject um the the music score right like because the music score is for the the, the film itself oh, like yeah. It's there. Cool. Hell yeah yeah and uh so um fumio uh Hay hayasha or hayashi hayashi i guess is the um hi oh fumio uh hayasaka is I, I can't I can't pronounce it for shit, but it's is the uh is his friend. He's gonna say it in the clip, so I'm probably really fucked it up, and then you guys can all laugh at me. But yeah. um his, his this is his friend the that, third syllable. Um that he uh that he worked with uh on the on the music for this and then in his next uh film as well, and then he passed away unfortunately of like tuberculosis. Um, Oof, a little bit after yeah. this, yeah, which was rampant so, in uh, Japan at the time, and yeah, was during COVID yeah. again. It was like the second leading cause of death, I guess, in the world for infectious yeah. diseases. Jesus, uh, just two years ago, but um, Cheery. I guess five to ten percent of us have it in the U.S. too. But oh, what the great. fuck, man? Yeah, it's latent. I found out all this last night when I was doing research for this episode. That's why oh I'm God. getting more <laughs> information now. Yeah, all right, so here it is. This is clip one. あの、<笑><笑> まだ、まだまだこれからっていうところでね、早速なくなっちゃったからね。残念だったんです。あれからもっと なんか全然あることをどうしても求めますよね、音楽は。どうしてもそれは分かるんですよ。でもそうじゃない。早坂はそうじゃなかったね。うん。だから
最初はね早坂ずっといたわけだけど、うん、早坂も頑固だし僕も頑固だしね、うん、会社は2人組ませたら大変だって言うんでさ、うん、なかなか組ませなかったんですよ、うん、で組んだらすごくうまくいったんです,ですか最初は一番最初はなんだっけなうん酔いどれかな酔い、うん、どれ天使天使の音楽やっぱり印象に残ってますよね、うん、とっても。うんそれから結局生き物の記録までですよね。そうですということは実際にお仕事になった期間はそんなに長くないわけですよね。でも大変やっぱり、ね、ああの大きな意味があ。あんたが今度あのレザーディスクに生き物の記録のこと書いてくれたんですあれとても僕感動してねあの,あの通りなんだよ<笑>、うん。あの時はもう本当にもうあんな親友はいなかったからね、はい、あれ出すもう死骸状態ですよあの火事場取ってる時は。葬、う、式、ん、が終わって。あとでね、うん、もうスタッフ全部建築になってたね、うん、もう愛してたからみんな花坂を、うん、だからなんか異様な感じが出てるよね、うん、あそこは,はい、うん、とっても異様ななんかでねあのテーマ自体がね早坂君がねある日来てね、うん、何にも仕事できないって言うんですよ、うん、早坂 is how you pronounce it by the way 柴君のこれこの世の中どうなったらともう何にも仕事に手つかないって言うんでね、うんよしそれテーマにしてやろうっていう、うん、であれ始めたんですよね、うん、僕書き出したんだけど、うん、だからその途中でね何作かないことになったからねあれだから変なものが出てますあの作品ね何、うんうん、とも言えない異様、うん、な状態でしたねあれ撮ってた、うん僕はもうあれについてかけと言われて大変困ったんですけども、まあやっととにかくなんか発見。He sits there with an unlit cigarette for like t w minutes of this whole thing too。だけの映画じゃなくて、やっぱりこうイメージこそが。That's how it gets real. That's what you like. That's what you like. Well, Drunken Angels like what? Forty-eight. また最近のお作りになるものが僕はやっぱり。Yeah, so they had about nine. And he, he had his body、uh, racked by tuberculosis throughout the filming of this. So, like, his depression, I think, about where the world was heading was also compounded with that. Also, I've, I've never seen anything before Stray Dog. So I've, I've not seen Drunken Angel. I'm, I'm familiar with it, of、yeah. course. But、uh, so, yeah, for the, for the podcast listeners, that large swath of Kurosawa we're talking about, he's talking about like the art of subtraction for、uh, film scores and composition that oftentimes、uh, leaving something out, like not filling up all the available spaces, and, 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 and will better pair with the visual. Hilarious for one of the more、uh, Adventure Month is one of the most overstuffed themes I think I've ever done <laughs> as far as interpretation <laughs> goes. But he's 100% right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't、yeah. work. It doesn't work as well when it's as full because you, you're pairing it with the, with the visual. Since you're pairing it with the visual, like you don't want to like fill up the entire,、uh, the entire thing. And that, that is something that, that is very different. It's very different composing for film or for something along those lines than it is for、uh, being in a band or something because you're, you're trying to achieve a different goal. You're trying to complement. Well, and 
this uh this entire movie kind of feels almost like a play to me right like uh um like the totally. way it's kind of uh you know the acts that it's kind of done with the um it's kind of kept within certain bounds i think with the action itself like it almost feels like you're kind of watching something on a stage it's definitely takes its inspiration from japanese plays and the way that the music soundtrack was written was as like movements you know what i mean like right. as if he was writing a, an opera yeah. score which is kind of a, a really uh, beautiful thing that you don't see very often unless you're and watching like, a musical or something. <laughs> so sonically too, like like uh, uh, the theme almost is like a Western, you know, whenever you get the full strings during the intermission. Um, yeah. The, the, it, it, it's like this this Japanese tinted Western theme. Uh, but I also think it's interesting to kind of compare this with uh, Yojimbo uh, with, with the score because oh, sure. uh, it was not the same uh, composer. And it's almost like a jazz uh, uh, score to Yojimbo. I, I found that one so, thing so that, it was, it... Um, that I added a few seconds of to the intro where it was uh, Yo Jimbo with a fistful of dollars music. <laughs> like, dun, 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 dun. Um, That's cool. So this is part. This is part two where he talks about the actual Seven Samurai part. Uh, but I, I liked I liked both of these, and I thought it was I didn't really want to just like cut out the part where he talks about his like close relationship with uh, you know with this composer and stuff. でも本当にね、早坂とはもっといろんな実験もしたかったしね。で、よく分かってたし、第一ね、月、作品でも全部他の仕事して、じゃあ、あの、映画に打ち込んじゃうからね。早坂さんの場合なんかあれですか例えば
pretty like simple good choices like there are the scene where um kukishio runs off on his own uh with a bandit uniform on remember that and kind of tricks one of tricks a tricks a bandit and gets his musket as he's running along there, there kept being this recurring instrument and you just hear it was like this lone instrument playing a theme it sounded like some kind of woodwind almost like a saxophone oh it's uh yeah i've played it yeah, yeah, I may have played it, it on the theme song. Actually, I can't remember. I, I think <laughs> it's a bassoon. Uh, I could be wrong. It's definitely a reed instrument. Yeah, it's 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 a bass reed instrument, and it's uh, just interesting. Like it, you know, there are a lot of ideas um, from opera that help a film. You know, film scoring and like light motif, where you have a melody that's connected with a certain person. Or in classical music, you might think of like Peter and the Wolf, where you have a certain character yeah. is associated with an instrument and a melody. And I I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. I noticed that that he would a lot of the time as uh, you know uh, Kukishio would get that kind of um, almost comical sounding horn or woodwind going going along with what it, whatever antics he was. Yeah, up. and and the music would uh, would swell also whenever they had like he had the one thing where he's giving the speech about the nature of war and it does it like every time something like that would happen like the the music would swell up again and he'd like you know wander off or the bandits would ride off and you'd hear that uh, sound. There was a specific song for the bandits too. Yeah, and it's so. all the crazy thing about the scores is like all brass and woodwinds and and um, uh, percussion. Like they, I mean, I think there's like maybe like like one small piece of like guitar, like in like one thing, but it's very um, it, it's very much meant to like be modern, but embody like traditional uh, sounds. Was considered traditional. Um, traditional music, which that's uh, Hayasaka actually began his career that way, doing like a Japanese traditional music, and before he got into composition, uh, he also um, like so he worked for uh, Toho uh, uh, at a certain point, and I think like I think he actually maybe did like some of the he definitely did the uh, Zatoshi films right the the Blind Samurai ones how you say it um, Z- and I think Zatoshi yeah and and um, I think he did some Godzilla movies too, if I remember correctly. Well, that Very was cool. you know, Godzilla at the time was the most popular uh, Japanese mm-hmm. movie up till that point, and it was the yep. same uh, studio. There's so many parallels between America and Japan that trip me out. Like that, like so, Godzilla was the Marvel movies. You're telling me? Yeah, of its time, absolutely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I would argue Zatiochi might be also considered uh, that too, because <laughs> he did beat Yojimbo. So Seven the, Samurai was is like the good fellas to the Godfather of. I mean, uh, it is, it is yeah, that, kind of, that's that's what I was thinking. Of. Godzilla is kind of exactly the Marvel movies of its time, um, <clears throat> for the reason that uh, much like we we've done with the Marvel movies, where you know uh, things have been changed and the entire kind of um, some of the ideas have been like taken out or stripped or changed uh, to you know make sure that the Marvel movies could play in China. Um, that's what, you know, the director, uh, and the studio, like, you know, the studio that, uh, that, uh, Kurosawa was working for too, um, did with Godzilla to make sure that we didn't get too much of the whole, uh, Hey, maybe it's not good to explode nukes part of it. 
And so when it right. came to America, <laughs> right. they, re they redubbed it and stripped with all of Raymond Burr. They put and they put yeah. like the whole Raymond Burr thing in, and like had <laughs> yeah, and, and they specifically like yeah, talk about a thing, uh, thumb on the scale. I mean, Jesus, like yeah. So they they were you know Hollywood was like yeah, we don't think American audiences are want you're gonna want to hear about how uh, scary yeah. and bad you know dropping nukes on Japan are. Let's uh let's strip those elements out and just kind of have big dinosaur run through Tokyo and it's like yeah, yeah exactly damn like. <laughs> But I mean, Pretty but rough. that is kind of the marvelization thing, right? Like uh, Tilda Swinton kind of playing it to bed. I guess. Man. I don't really want to talk about this. So I think that the back to the score, which I think is interesting, the repeated themes are like, that's something we didn't talk about too. Like the fact that like a little, little, little bits of it coming back and forth, which goes back, of course, just like a Peter and the Wolf and things like that. But like, when you think about like the type of like epics that they're like, that this is, and this embodies, like they're just, there wasn't that level of thoughtfulness put into it. Because Kurosawa at the heart of it is a thoughtful filmmaker, whether it's shot composition, whether it's sense of pacing. I mean, God, we talked about some of the cinematography in here. Some of the action shots are, are just like, you know, there's other movies that should like pay royalties to them. Just like Leone should for uh, Yojimbo, as I put in the chat, by the way, for everyone that was curious, because mm -hmm. Yojimbo and uh, Rashomon. Um, yeah, the, 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 thing, the, the thing he said was that it was um, it was a fine movie. Uh, but uh, it was it was his movie. <laughs> it's my movie, but it was my movie. Yeah, that's, and, and um, Toho shoot him and it, one. By the it's way, it's also it's also funny that at the beginning of the episode we were watching that one clip where they're talking about you know how the idea of uh you know the like loyalty to the emperor got replaced in this period by loyalty to the company like whatever company you work for and you know yeah we're talking about like we're, but the you know for Kurosawa it's kind of the opposite. I was watching that um yeah oh yeah totally yeah <laughs> I, I was watching his entire like my life and film thing and he was just shit talking about fucking Studio Toho like towards the end of it and he's like yeah they're fucking like essentially he was like they're pussy. They they wouldn't push through these lawsuits. I hope they do, but you know they're kind of just weak over there. And I was like, damn, yeah. dude! Like after, after seeing him, well, after seeing the first thing where they're like loyalty to the company, and then it's like, fuck this company. Nobody yeah. there knows what's going on. Like they're crashing the shit into the ground, and I want my you know my lawsuit money. So I hope. But think also, <laughs> but to get it from like, his perspective too right i mean like because because something... renegade i think is what i was trying to get yeah to, yeah, but... like yeah, like yeah. in in the <laughs> same vein as like an orson wells or something maybe or, yeah uh, you know again and because because he's knows he's, he's the top of this game and i mean in rash Rashomon's incredible like it's 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 an incredible movie like like so many of like his well-regarded movies are incredible but like to see the success of something like um uh, to see, see the success of something like uh like fistful dollars and and to know that it's like yeah, that's basically a Jimbo, man. <laughs> I mean, there is a YouTube that literally goes scene by scene about it and like shows us like, oh my god. And if you watch yeah. it, like, and let's be clear, I love both movies. I'm I'm a big Leone fan. Like, I'll if those happen, if any of those movies happen to come on, I'm like, great, let's watch this. But like, it is pretty shameful, shameless, and that's a Leone thing too, because like, because his idea. Remember, this is we were still in the regionalization of cinema. Like, oh well, that's in Japan. Who cares about yeah. that? Well, and and also, I mean, you know, Sergio Leone is doing the spaghetti western, which is uh, yeah. kind of just like ripping. The, he invented the his own western. genre, yeah. but it's a yeah. rip off of the western genre and his version <laughs> of it. Which is amazing. and Leone, you know, I think, also just... got sued. Uh, Toho sued um, uh, whatever studio Leone was working for. Uh, which yeah, is no, why... I, I, right. That's why I threw that in the chat for the people that were curious about it, because a lot of people don't realize that no, there was a lawsuit on that. Like it was yeah. the, the actual lawsuit. That's some Led Zeppelin level theft, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Well, and, and the, the thing is that, I mean, they kind of uh, touched on this and, and not to like bring up more other movies, but in... Uh, oh, look at know. The Magnificent Seven. It's literally like they had to give Kurosawa screenwriting credit eventually. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, yeah, it's off a script based of a character. Because they were like, bro. <laughs> like they, they literally they called this the, movie uh, Magnificent Seven in the US. You're saying it has nothing to do with it? Come on now. <laughs> they, they just did the remake of... Magnificent Seven as a remake of uh, the Netflix one with the stupid Chris Pratt. Uh, they they did oh, right. that yeah. that movie. They, so that was a remake of a remake of. Uh, yeah, no, that's why I was like, because I, I actually haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that one, but I yeah, know I that either, it's a remake but, of the Magnificent yeah. Seven, which is in itself ostensibly yeah. a remake of Seven Samurai. It's uh, it's funny that that movie copy and, for copy uh, for copy. that movie and uh, Hateful Eight came out at the same time, and Hateful Eight's really just nothing like this. You know what I mean? Like it just no, happened to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really did not. to have. Uh, but I, I just assumed it was. I was like, oh, they're, they're remaking this twice, and then I watched Hateful Eight. And I was like, yeah. oh no, that's yeah, just a totally different. different movie. Movie. No, no. Just, hey, Hateful Eight, I really did like that one. <laughs> there just, just happens to be eight characters in a place. Like that's not. Yeah, it's a spaghetti western, but the thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good analogy. And uh, speaking of the thing, you know, Friday we're uh, we're we're going to be talking we're, about. We're not doing the thing. We've already done that movie. It's, it's one of York, our more. Right? That's, uh, yeah. But we are doing another Carpenter yeah. movie. We're doing Escape from New York, which I'm very <laughs> excited about. Escape from New York with Tony Ash from uh, my band, and um, yeah. that's what that we're is one of his favorite movies of all time. So that's and, and our classic come. Predator episode, which I thought was great. Yes, he was. He's been on one other time is for Predator, which I again. The now classic episode. <laughs> the thing is, I man, that movie scared me unlike anything. It's else. still, it's it's still terrifying. kind of, yeah. Oh, the the part of it where my head was upside down on a on a thing <laughs> that was so good <laughs> in the in the show art, so yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. Sometimes I get confused between the show art and the movie we watched. I don't know. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> remember when that happened? What, no, that what am I cool. doing there? <laughs> I've never been in Antarctica. We and Ben Burgess, like this movie's this movie's crazy. There's too many parallels. Exactly. <laughs> let's go, let's go get a coat hanger and heat it up. Uh, <laughs> Forrest, there's something else you wanted to hit, or should we go into? Um, yeah, there's something else that I'll hit before we go to final thoughts. Uh, I wanted, I had one more subject I wanted to bring up, but I'd, I'd like to do some letterboxed one-liners. Oh, we are going to do one. -liners. Okay, cool. Well, of course, of course, everybody, everybody knows this classic bit. Uh, letterboxed is a place for film, a place for film lovers to talk at with and to each other about the films they love, the films they didn't love, the films that had them thirst over uh maybe the apparel of uh one of the leads as, 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 as. <laughs> and of course all this is uh done as a bottom-up democracy everyone gets to have their say not just siskels and ebert's of the world it's a it's a, ra it's a radical operation there best expressed succinctly keep it tight folks uh in the classic one-liner format we're getting your tight five these are the letterbox one-liners for seven samurai Lots of butt cheeks, bald heads, and screaming men, but in a good way. There was a lot of man ass. <laughs> it's so much man ass in here. It was, yes. it was really yeah, hard the, also the, to pick a to pick a background uh, for this. Right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Br bring back the band thong. <laughs> it's, it's fucking. I'm buying a katana. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm down. Why am I not taking my katana down? That isn't a euphemism, by the way. I feel like if you now didn't Joe, buy now Joe's gonna quit the show and be like, oh, now he's talking about taking out his katana. Too soon. Yeah. 
I feel like if you didn't buy a katana after seeing Seven Samurai, you have some kind of moral, or not moral, but just some kind of fortitude. You know, you're not very susceptible to influence. That's yes. Yeah. Samurai are so awesome. I wish Japanese people were real. (laughs) Every time we've had any kind of uh, this this is a recurring one of these. Every like, I feel like we've had. uh, I wish Korean people were real. I wish. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I wish British people were real. I wish French people were real for a delicatessen. <laughs> and I laugh every time. And I laugh for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it, it lies in the stereotype of American culture that uh, mm-hmm. is, is very mockable. So, And if it's not, you know, it just doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen at all. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. see, see all those lawsuits for those other movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw it. Shiro Mifune's false. <laughs> It's uh, it, it, it's, funny, it's funny to see Eddie clip of him, stars, uh, yeah. in, in, in other movies like Drunken Angel. He's pretty much like the James Dean esque uh, oh, yeah. figure in that. And yeah. then in this, he's just like, "Yo, I'm a guy who's wearing a very, very, very short robe and balls out, buddy." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We are farmers. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Love how people run in this movie. So true. It's, a lot of great running. It's really top top notch running. For sure. Look, I'm not even gonna hate there. People people got around fast in this movie though. And the flat footed squat, man. I'm I'm such a fat American, I'll never be able to do a flat footed squat, but I admire it so much. Those those haunch muscles were just like, yeah. I there's one scene where they cut on the guy going down to his flat footed squat and then springing back up and they cut they cut on that action. I was like, hell yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> well, also the, when he stabs the bandit or the the thief, and the thief runs out or whatever, and he's oh. like he's he's in like perfect suspended uh, slow motion, yeah. like kind of on a, on on like the tip of his of his feet or whatever. And I was like, damn, he really like even even the fucking like bit actors in this <laughs> really yeah. went all out. This movie is brought to you by Big Squat, <laughs> your squatty potty. Classic heist film. Just getting the boys together for one last job. So, some of them like are his like some of them are his like are his boys and then some Just of them the are new friends. Just I love ra- it. Random dudes that happen to not get hit in the head with a wood piece of wood. Yeah, one that did. But I love that he's he's uh he's got old friends. He's making new friends. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> people well, love him immediately. And I like how, like, every time he's like, hey, I don't mean any disrespect with it. We're just doing a thing here. You know, like, like it's a real, his explanation is almost like, like, it, it makes you glad that those scenes play out. Because every time, because people react differently, but it's always like some combination of, dude, what the hell? <laughs> like, what are you oh. doing? Yeah. Can you play them? Um, I, oh. I, really... <laughs> I would react the same way. You, you, could, you could definitely hear this in the intro, but every time I say Kambe Shibata, I thought Kenzo Shibata. And my brain oh, was like, sure, did, I, did, I, did I say that correctly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I accidentally place Kenzo, like the guy that I know that's Jav- like half Japanese or whatever, like into this movie? Or <laughs> NyQuil plus seven samurai equals best sick day wow. ever. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I could have made it through that with NyQuil. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, to be a samurai in 16th century Japan. No math, no science, just swords, rice, and vibes. <laughs> there were some vibes. There were men vibes. There were some vibes. And, th- and, and man ass. And some upskirt with Tashira Mifune. Yeah. 
This movie was hilarious. Should have called it Seven Bros or something. <laughs> they're, they're, they were they blown out. A, uh, like I maybe like even like a John Carpenter remix of just like uh, seven just seven just like dudes chilling. They're just like, are we gonna do this? It's like I mean, it's Kurt. It's gotta be Kurt Russell, but it's gotta be like uh, you know, fucking uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like just just like a yeah just. All fucking chilling, seven of them, and just being like, "Are we gonna do this?" And then the last ten minutes, they're like, "Yeah, I guess we will." And then fucking, they uh, kill a bunch of bandits. <laughs> Keith <Okay>. David, <laughs> here we go again. Too many sweaty ass cheeks. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Not really that many ass cheeks, considering the, there, the there's enough. Time. There, there, there was Three enough. and a half well, hours. The thing is, though, is that there's a lot of sweaty ones. Like, like as the ones that we saw. I think maybe one was wet because it just got out of the water. And then, like, like uh, I think there was only, like, two dry asses. Keeping track of this? Where's your, <laughs> where's your, do you have, uh, like, a workbook? Yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, where's because... your ass cheek uh, website? You know, they have, like, the website where you can see how many times fucking their dudes in movies. You got to have your ass cheek, uh, you know, your Asterisk ass cheek. metrics? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Rules on! They're the box one-liners for Seven Samurai! <laughs> <laughs> Please follow the show, uh, which is your host, Rice Bandit Force Miller over there on Letterboxd, Moving Extravaganza. I am Conan Balloon Neutron. I am on Letterboxd doing Criterion Challenges, which I do not have. Uh, there's a few Kurosawa films that are not on there, but I do have some, some coming up. Uh, welcome to join me as Andrew of the Woodcutting School World did, also on Letterboxd, watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to, or maybe say so you can. Uh, he's doing the Criterion Challenge. Uh, this year as well so that's exciting and i put seven samurai on it to cheat <laughs> i, I appreciate i appreciate i appreciate your sense of white privilege by starting off on first base yes and of course uh <laughs> rice lord over there i don't think you're on the letterbox right you don't have to be i just don't know i i'm uh you know bad takes is andy's show i'm his co-host and I'm not on Letterbox. I don't have enough time. I do you, 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 you don't have to be. I just want to make sure I don't miss your plugs. If so, speaking yeah. of the plugs, Jay Andrew of the Woodcutting School, please take us away with the plugs. All right. You're watching us on YouTube right now. So please do the YouTube things like comment, subscribe, hit that bell. Um, and the big ask, watch the video to the end. You get that great Coda Neutron song. Uh, plus that helps uh, other movie fans find our content. Word. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, Pratt is um, no Steve. McQueen. I have no idea what that has to do with anything, but Steve Pratt is no <laughs> Steve McQueen. Oh, because of the the remake, right? Okay. He's in Magnificent yeah. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Which I forgot, Chris Pratt was in it, but <laughs> <laughs> I watched that movie. Uh, yeah. But uh, please follow us on other social medias too. Uh, we're, we're on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, I, I just joined uh, uh, Hive and. Uh, uh, couldn't do too social, but but I am on Mastodon. Um, you're, you're mentioning Hive before Instagram, which is a, a medium that people actually use. Yes. What the fuck is Hive? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody's on Hive. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, sure you mentioned instead of Instagram. Good idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I was actually trying to get my slide in place. Uh, you know, you know, to, to, for my notes. But but. Uh, oh, I thought to have like a boop after you make the <laughs> Yeah, getting to my notes and I uh Your slide was, was, show. Got it. Yeah, my little slideshow. So I can see my notes. By the way, that's yes. a tough ass looking rice bandit. 
fucking Denzel from Book of Eli. If that rice man yeah. was like, yo, rice is yours, yo, man. Take he my rice. showed up. He easily could have been the eighth samurai. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Honestly, like, Actually, like wait, he, he I think he's in. He's in that remake of Magnificent oh, Seven, I think. Yes, I think, yes, I, yes. I think he is. In, I think he's guy. the uh, yeah the main the, the main fella. The, yeah, uh, he's he's the, the guy leader. who assembles the team. Wait, the um, yeah the the Takashi Shimura role uh, combine combine Shimada. I should go watch that just just because it exists. I don't. Know. I you know like it's it's not bad. It just it I don't know to... why. Why? Why would you remake it though? Like, why would you be yeah. like, you know what? This movie's perfect, and it was based off another movie that's perfect. Let's make a movie that's probably not perfect. No, so it's, that's what Hollywood it's got does. Good performances in it, though. I, I mean, I gotta say, like, uh, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. It, it should have gone to the less magnificent seven. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> but but like, like it just, it's missing something. <laughs> but they did, you know, that's because they're trying to do too much in a short amount of time. Yeah. That's, the pretty okay seven. That, that's yeah. the reason why I'm not that excited about it. It's it's. Yeah. There's a lot that they didn't. They they, had, they cut this thing way too short. It's like watching an edited version of something, you know. You Gen right. Xers you should go watch Little Giants before uh, I, <laughs> I go watch that. If you want, to. sorry, I just had to go there. It's funny to me. Fine, fine. We'll do that on bad takes. No, it's not okay. <laughs> I have. I think I have a few of my other movies I'd rather do, but yeah, yeah. Uh, let, let's. Uh, yeah, but anyway, those are our socials. Check 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 out our socials. Yeah, we're also on Instagram. So can yeah, I plug some stuff real quick? Is that cool? Uh, yeah, we'll you'll, do that. Your, your time will yeah, come. Yeah. Your time will come. yeah, your time will come. Excuse me. But we, yeah. do, we do we do the guest last on this on this. All right. All yeah, right. so we can spend all the time in the world. But My when people apologies. just do, when people just do out for twenty minutes. Uh, Welcome to Movie Night Extravaganza, the show where we put the guests last. You know? Yeah. <laughs> last in the plugs, first in our heart. Yes. <laughs> Speaking uh, of moving but, it along, Andy, what's next? Yes, Conan. Uh, Protonic yes. Reversal you had this yes. week, right? Because uh, I know you just did your end of year list. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mario Lolly of uh, Fatso Jetson, Yawning Man, Desert Session, Queens of Stone Age, all that uh, coming up, which is funny because we just played a bunch of shows with them. But uh, uh, yeah, that should be great. That's coming up this Thursday. That nice. should be that should be a good one for anybody. He's a he's a the, known as the Godfather of the Desert Scene. There's several documentaries about that that feature him uh, heavily. Cool. Really interesting guy. Cool. And, uh, you know, Bandcamp, uh, Neutron Friends at Bandcamp.com. Check yep. out, uh, check that out. Get some Conan music. Um, obviously, it's too late for Christmas because we're in the new year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're very early for next year. Start 2023 exactly. right and, yeah. and get some Conan Neutron in your ears. I feel like Christmas comes early every year. It's like January 3rd. I'm, I'm hearing about it. But you have time. You have time. I feel like the war on Christmas starts what earlier. What can I do? All I want. Oh my God, it's starting. <laughs> Just ended. It's, it's, it's like after Jason Voorhees gets killed, and it's like, like no, he's not dead. Come on. And then, so. Yo, where's the uh, where's the Mariah Carey uh, Halloween remake? <laughs> or Friday the 13th remake? Or any, any of those? Yeah, yeah, I, I love that meme where she's like crashing through the door of The Shining. <laughs> but uh let's let's try to get it through these plugs yeah uh just just real quickly since christina's not here please uh buy her a coffee go to coffee.com slash kofianon.net yes go mm. Co coffee 2020 or 2012 or whatever the fucking thing was <laughs> coffee 2012 <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they never. Did they ever? What's funny is I I know that reference and laugh at it every time. But you realize that's an eleven year old reference now, right? I know. For a thing that happened on Twitter, and of course I know it. And again, I'm I'm encouraging you by laughing at it. But yeah, did they ever stop Tony Tony Like I don't know. My my joke has always been when I feel like I put in like two or three hashtags, like there's too many. I always just drop in a Coney 2012 too. Because <laughs> I think because for okay. me that's funny. I I do that with uh, R.I.P. Harambe. Well, not anymore. <laughs> Oh. I'm not ruining that, but for a while it was funny to do like the you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah the, the Elon Musk song ruined it yeah um, <laughs> anyway is that it it, it is no. yeah I, I, well unless we want to talk about Joe Joe's here. Shit, might, right? might be might be a nice thing to Joe's plugs in yeah <laughs> let's uh, let's pour up a nice hot cup of Joe who gives us yeah we're te- you know I just want to say as a Joe I'm very happy we finally have some representation you know what I mean we've been called average. <laughs> For too long. Anyway, I'm just kidding around. Um, I've seen dodgeball. Yeah. I saw the team. <laughs> um, so uh, I have a show called Political Pain. It's kind of been on hiatus because I'm in college. Um, and I got a, a job and all this other, other shit in my life. But um, yeah, I'm an independent journalist. Give it all up. Podcast only. Only podcast. Say what? Huh? I said give it all up. Only podcast. Do it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so <laughs> sure. I'm. 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 A, I'm. I got one of those legit jobs um, that actually has benefits and shit, and I'm not worried about like you know, fucking dental plan. Anyway, um, so you I. Yeah, uh, dental plan. Everybody, go check it out. Your job, yeah, if you want to hear about on, my my benefits package, focus uh, yeah, on great. force the vote. You just got to keep telling people to force the vote, okay? Dude, and you can. I, make- so much money. I, I almost, I almost wish we were doing an after bright tonight because I would. I I actually watched all of the speaker votes and I have so many notes and it's like for nothing because all right, we, well, we can we can do an hilarious. we can do an after party. Well, I, I would be into it just to give my opinions on that. Which all right, I'm okay if we to do if we we do yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I talk about politics. I'm also an independent journalist. That's right. Um, go give me a sub, please. I really would would like that here on the YouTube. Um, and then uh, Jay Andrew World and I do bad takes together, which is um his idea for a movie podcast which is not necessarily bad movies but movies you, you Yo, just, i'll be i'll be right back rightfully forgotten party. i would say what i said i'll be right back i'm just gonna set up the after party i'll jump back yeah, on we got, we very got cool yeah so uh we, we talk about uh, weird movies that are forgotten probably for a yeah, reason yeah it's not like you're in this because i think the idea because it's being called bad takes i think that's uh, confuses people a little bit, maybe that like yeah. they think it's like a these are bad movies kind of situation. And, and some and of it, them yeah. are bad movies because we did watch well, uh, God's Not Dead. Yeah, some <laughs> of them are bad movies, and you know we, we're kind of goofing on ourselves. We're a little self-deprecating, you know. It's not as uh, but it's a little bit like obscurist is maybe not the right term, but you kind of go for stuff that's under discussed, probably. So we'll totally. So um, so we just did uh, for our holiday um, <laughs> one. We did a Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which again is David Bowie. In a Japanese POW camp, and um, very, yeah, great, great, hilarity great ensues. Holiday, yeah, yeah, great <laughs> heartwarming holiday um, fair. Um, like one of our early episodes, I remember um, was like you know, and again, as a '90s kid, a lot of this show is Andy introducing shit to me that I was like, "What the fuck? This exists!" Like movies like Tapeheads. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like early John Cusack, like screwball comedy. Um, we're trying a to think certain of- a certain specific type of cult classic that's not in the zeitgeist. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, but then ones that aren't too. We 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 watched yeah. UHF, you know, with Weird Al, yeah, which yeah. which I grew up with, which is just 
fantastic. Um, and so we just did you like see that. weird? Did you see? Did you see the? Not the, yet. That's on. Oh, what's that on? Is it on? It's, so it's, weird, it's right? on the Roku channel. Yeah, like if you got a Roku, it's real easy because they advertise you every time you open yeah, the app yeah. up. Yeah, but uh, Weird Al already gave us the um, the go ahead to to fucking pirate it. So um, yeah, he, he actually, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he made a really funny tweet about that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. that that famous uh, thing where Weird Al recorded his first song in a bathroom at his college. That's actually the college I'm going to right now, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which has you know a lot of its controversies and, and this and that. But it is pretty cool that he did that there. But um, yeah, so Andy and I have a good time and just. I, I, whatever Andy puts up in front of us, I'm just like, holy shit, where did you find that? I had no idea this existed, and it makes for a lot of fun. So <laughs> he's he's very good at that. It's it's very good. Skills. At that. Yeah, I, <laughs> encyclopedic. I sniff these things out too. Sometimes <laughs> you're like a truffle pig, Andy, but for weird yeah. ass movies, but for weird stuff, exactly. You can smell them from ten feet above the ground. Oh, so uh, Joe, uh, why don't you keep going here, Rice Lord, and uh, we're gonna just go through go through final thoughts for this for this film, The Incredible Seven Samurai. Uh, anything you maybe you miss? Anything that you feel like you would like to to touch on uh, before we go before we wrap up here? Yeah, I just um, I guess to you know close out my thoughts like i talked about seeing this as a young uh, you know I, I had aspirations in high school to be a, a film editor like a feature film editor and um you know i was i was lucky enough to have these this really good film production classes at my high school um with this teacher named robert garcia um and i mean he has students who are oscar winners emmy winners all over um uh, Jay Hutch, bad takes hasn't been the same since Virgil, Texas left though. No, you're not. That's bad faith. Want to make it very clear, being very unfair. I actually got into it with a force of the voters earlier today, and they were trying to tell me, like, oh, bad takes. Because huh? I criticized Brianna Joy Gray. How dare I uh, do such a thing? And yeah. um, right, this, yeah, this is perfect said, after party yeah, here. By the way, never look at the comments while you're doing your final thoughts, ever. Even if they come up, just like block the screen or something. Okay. That's, okay. that's my key. Right. Um, right. Let's, 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 this is perfect after party material. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll so do that. Hold, hold that thought. We'll do it in the after party. My yeah. final thought is this film um which like i said is has been used as a template regurgitated you know ripped off um and and these tropes redone so much like like i said even in weird 90s rick moranis kid movies uh bugs life whatever um like to go to the original to go to like which of course it's referencing older mytho mythologies and, and and other ideas but to go back to this like almost ur text of a film of like a this foundational film and see that it completely holds up um yeah that guy's excited about it it completely holds <laughs> holds up it like it's 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 perfect in every way. The pacing of it, the 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 character development, the just everything that we we as modern cinephiles or whatever consider and hey, and again, Virgil Texas, films. you're bringing him back up. To talk uh, about cinema. Uh, save it for the <laughs> save it for the after party for us. There but, you go. Now um, he's learning. He's learning. It, yeah. It's incredible that it's all right there in the film. It's a perfect film. And um I, I just love it. It was so much fun revisiting it and watching it again and just like being like, yeah, man, it's you know, I, I know my last Lord of the Rings reference, at least in this part of the show, like when Gandalf leans down to Bilbo, you haven't aged a day, right? It's <laughs> it's fantastic. 
Love it. No, literally incredible uh, for something that was filmed. I mean, literally incredible in general, but like the fact that it was filmed in uh, in the 1950s and you could still sit there and it's black and white for three and a half hours and you're like, dude, <laughs> this is fucking beautiful. Like every <laughs> shot yeah. in this movie is beautiful. And, they're do- and they did it with telescopic lenses too, which is something that was unheard of at the time. Multiple yeah. cameras. That's the first time yeah. that Kurosawa used that technique. Like, and, and I have a clip where he talks about that for the after party. So there you go. That's so cool. Um, Conan, I, I made this. I made this for you. This is why I jumped off the stream for a second. <laughs> okay. What do we got? <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's not busy, right? I mean, he's got the time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Final thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you know what can I say about this? It hasn't been said before. You know, this is truly one of the greatest films of all time. The story so great has been directly remade twice and homage more than a few times. Uh, fantastic performances all around, groundbreaking action scenes, and a tale so compelling that it actually makes the running time justified as we've gone into. It's so massive, so sprawling, but never loses sight of what makes it all work. Uh, and it still manages to be uh, a, the rare case of the emotional blockbuster. Uh, and that's even divorced from the post-World War II search for identity and what honor truly means that we talked about earlier in the show. So, man, all this, and we haven't talked about it, but that final shot, that yeah. is what's up. That is cinema, folks. Yeah, dude. I, I also, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about uh, Ran, you know, well, you were, you know, having fun and... <laughs> Watching my buddy Paho playing Gang of Four, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like we, we talked about Ran and kind of Kurosawa's later, I mean, open pacifism. I don't think it was as open at this point, but you know, right. the idea of like the Pyrrhic victory and uh, you know, the, this the, is the whole movie definitionally is kind of, a Pyrrhic victory, yeah. right? I mean, like geez. But he's hinting at the whole movie where he's like, Aren't you tired of fighting? And everyone's like, What do you mean? But I love that final moment where uh he, he's talking to his to his friend, like you know, the last one left alive, and he's like, uh, he's like, This isn't our victory, and the guy looks it's at him and he's like victory. what? And he's like, yeah, it's not like it's the look that he points up and there's like, fi- like, yeah, like it's not your victory. You guys have kind of victory. lost a, a bunch of samurais. For- <laughs> and it, it's so poignant and heavy, like, and it's, I'm, but it's, it, but it's, oh man, it's, it's what's up, man. That's what's up. Yeah. See, he didn't have, they didn't have Lee Greenwood. You know, they didn't like have that support to true ethos. And a prayerless stand up. <laughs> Next to you, yeah, all that. They, Next didn't, to you. they didn't appreciate it. They appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but uh, Andy, let's hear some final thoughts. Um, I, I wanted to kind of tack on to that uh, first clip you played, where uh, Kurosawa was talking about uh, being a apprentice, which is interesting mm-hmm. because um, uh, in Japan they actually had long apprenticeships before you could direct a film. Uh, up until uh, what's known as uh, the, I, I, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's essentially uh, the Japanese new wave that, that uh, happened in the 60s, where they allowed a bunch of people who didn't have that that long apprenticeship kind of come into films. Um, uh, he, did not, he doesn't he didn't like that, by the way. He thought that it created a uh, weak, like, well, not weak, but like, uh, well, ADs that were afraid to speak up. And like, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Be like, yeah but, but then you have like Seijin Suzuki, who, who was like one of the people who did not have one of those long, uh, which we watched um, uh, Tokyo Drifter. And, yep. uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I, I think it's a nice. Though. What? We would have made a little more sense. Yeah. I liked it, but it just like you just you made an entire movie around a song. Oh wait, hey, that's not even the weirdest thing he's done. So you know, just 
Um, but but anyways, yeah, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting to actually hear somebody talk about it. And uh, I, I, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, but but the um, the other thing I, I did want to bring up is uh, I spent most of the 90s thinking that uh, a Japanese American actor Mako was the star of this movie. Um, you might remember him from such films as uh, Robocop 3, um, Highlander 3, uh, both the Conan movies. Um uh Rising Sun with Sean Connery and uh Wesley Snipes. Seven Samurai <laughs> Hour Three. <laughs> but but I thought he was the lead in Seven Samurai for like for a good decade. I've done that. I've done I've been there. I've thought dumb shit. Well like the, the, the thing is is he actually does bear an uncanny resemblance to the star of the movie. Um mm-hmm. and uh also, uh, in uh, he doesn't bring a resemblance to the age of the star of the movie, considering this is in 1954, <laughs> though. Yes, uh, but he looks exactly the same in that as he did in Conan. And uh, I think it was he know. a vampire? Like, what? He, uh, uh, who knows? Hollywood's weird, man. I mean, look at look at Tom. Is he Paul Rudd? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hollywood's weird. Classic man. after party yeah. stuff. Ho- Hollywood's classic so, uh, after party material. We should, he got, we he probably... got it into the main show. He got the crowbar, and he's like, "Here it goes." We should probably <laughs> go over to that after party. Uh, you know, in about in about five minutes, probably. I want to jump on, you know, pretty fast after this. Just got to go pour a drink. Um, you know, to to talk about <laughs> the speaker of the the sneaker of the house uh, <laughs> over there. Um, Ain't got well, one. Ain't got we, one. So uh, jump on to the to the after party. I'll uh, quickly, you know, we'll throw, throw the link in, the, the, link in uh, the, the chats. And, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, you know, we're gonna have fun with that, and uh, we will be back. Um, if you're not gonna come, uh, hang out with us. Which you know what, fuck Screw you. Screw you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if, if you're if you're not gonna come and follow us, we'll be back on Friday. You know, for our second episode of 2023, talking about Escape from New York, which is something that I've wanted to do. No, not talk about escape, but escape from New York is something. That I, <laughs> to do I mean, the movie time. is fine. It's more the concept. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say to you guys, you know what? I'm gonna keep wandering around this, uh, this here, this here Japanese wilderness.